Welcome to my house. Welcome to the Structure Talk podcast, a production of Structure Tech Home Inspections. My name is Ruben Saltzman. I'm your host, alongside building science geek, Tessa Murray. We help home inspectors up their game through education, and we help homeowners to be better stewards of their houses. We've been keeping it real on this podcast since 2019, and we are also the number one home inspection podcast in the world, according to my mom. We're back again here. We were talking about ice dams last week, all things related to how to prevent ice dams. We busted a bunch of myths about how ventilation and lack of ventilation causes ice dams. I went on a super tangent about how much I hate recessed lights and they should be illegal. Look for an upcoming (laughs) blog post on that topic. And uh, we kind of teased this show talking about how we're going to we're going to give some people advice on if they already have ice dams, what, what they can do to get rid of them. It's probably going to be too late in the year. We're probably going to get some big warm up before anybody ever needs this advice. But you know what? It's good advice forever. But e- even before we get into that test, right before we started the show, we were, we were talking about maybe giving some other advice to people about where they can find contractors, a good, competent, qualified contractor to help them with some of this stuff if if they want to hire the right person. Because so many of these pain points are coming from people who have already hired someone to come out and they didn't get the job done right. So what what is someone to do? That is a great question, Ruben. And I, I wish the answer was really simple and easy. But one thing that we were talking about was a certification that's out there through the Building Performance Institute, BPI, that offers training and accreditation for individuals and for contractors that has to do with basically like building performance. And there's Lots of different certifications, and I honestly, I have not stayed up to date with what they all are, but you can go to BPI's website, Building Performance Institute's website, and do a search for contractors or professionals who have that certification. And I think it's a good place to start. Anyone that has been through that training has that certification, should be educated enough to understand what causes ice dams, and how to fix them. Now, they may not be the actual contractor who does the air sealing and insulation work, but I would think that they would be able to help you find someone who could. I think a lot of these BPI certified professionals are equipped to do the diagnostic testing work, like blower door tests, scans with an infrared camera. They can come in and evaluate where the air leaks are happening and how they're happening and give you some good guidance and hopefully connect you with a, a contractor who knows what they're doing to help do the actual work. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you, Tess. And we'll put a link to that website. It's locate.bpi.org. We'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're someone who's, you know, who's already been down that road, you've already tried insulating your attic and you've you hired a contractor to fix the problem and you still have a problem, that would be a good place to start as someone who's who's qualified to do some de- further diagnostic testing work on your house. Do a, do a blower door, do an infrared scan and really look to see where those air leaks are happening and if and how you can fix them. Yep. So it can be a little bit more complicated. But if you've got a pretty simple house, simple attic space, you know, the attic is accessible, you may not need to do that 
you know, detailed diagnostic testing at first. When I worked in this industry years and years ago, there were a handful of of people in the Twin Cities who'd been doing really good air quality, air sealing work for decades. And they didn't need to go into a house and do a blower door test and an infrared scan to find the air leaks. They just intuitively were so familiar with so many different styles and types and ages of houses that they knew where the attic bypasses were and they could crawl into the attic and crawl right to it, find it, seal it and have amazing results without doing all of that. So just saying that, you know, you can have that diagnostic testing work done and in general, it's a, it's a good idea to test, to see, to verify, to test again after the work is done. But you don't have to do that. It's not always necessary. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw in a plug for us too. A lot of the time people are just, they're, they're frustrated. They already had somebody come out to do this, that, or the other, and they want to get the real story behind this and they will hire us. And we do a ton of single item inspections this time of year where we're going out to tell people why they have ice dams, why they have frost in their attic. Sometimes people want to fix this stuff themselves. Sometimes they want to hire a different insulation contractor and they want us to write a report telling them, hey, look at this, fix this, fix this, fix this. We And you know, we're not designing a very specific scope of work, but we're telling them what they need to go after to fix this stuff. So we do a lot of those single item inspections too. And yeah. I mean, ice dams, frost in the attic, that is our bread and butter. We are very good at those. It's amazing how many homeowners, I, I feel bad, struggle with this problem with the frost in the attic and the ice dams. And they've already been down that road to try and fix the problem and it and it hasn't been fixed. So, you know, I... I I feel for people that are trying to navigate that. One thing I would say too is if you're looking to hire, you know, a good contractor to to resolve these issues, to do the air sealing, make sure that that contractor talks about all these things we've already discussed. Air sealing, attic bypasses, they explain to you what they are, give you some examples, talk to you about how they're going to seal them, that they t- that they mention attic ventilation too, but hopefully they're not selling that as their <laughs> you know, the main solution to the problem. If they are, run the other way. (laughs) We want to punch more holes in your attic. That's not going to solve it. But also just beware. I think it's a good idea to get, you know, a a couple different bids. We've talked about that on the podcast too, from different insulation contractors. And, and, and I've seen, this blows my mind too, with insulation contractors, they'll write up a bid and it'll say, you know, air seal the attic and add R49. And, you know, a homeowner who doesn't really know what that means might look at it and say, okay, good. Well, they said they're going to air seal attic bypasses and blow in an R49, but is that even possible? Ask yourself, can someone physically get into the attic and do those things? I've seen an insulation bid look just like that on a story and a half house that had a dormer on the back before. And a dormer is, you know, uh, basically like where um, the front of the house might look like it's just a story and a half, simple story and a half. But from the back of the house, it looks like it's a two-story house and basically kind of like a a very low-pitched attic space above that dormer. And it's not anything that's physically accessible. Usually, you know, it's you can't crawl inside that attic space. It's very small. And a lot of times it's framed with a two-by-four. And this poor person, you know, had an insulation contractor out that told them they would air seal the attic bypasses and blow in an R49. And it's like, how do you physically do that in this attic yeah. space? You can't. Yeah. Impossible. So just be cautious when you're working with, with these different contractors and ask lots of questions and get multiple bids. Yep. Well, that uh, that should wrap up today's show. That's, uh, <laughs> no, no, just kidding. 
<laughs> uh, if you have those houses, like, you know, the dormers or the story and a half or the cathedral ceilings where you physically can't get in there and you can't improve the R value or insulation, there's some other methods that you can you can use as a homeowner to combat that. Ruben, you've done some yeah. good research on this topic and you've written some thorough blogs. I think you should take it away. Oh. I've, I've tried them all. I've tried them all. And the, the, the tried and true method is to remove the fuel for ice dams. The, the fuel there is snow. And mm-hmm. if there is no snow on your roof, you will not have ice dams. It's as simple as that. And to get the snow off, the, the best way to do it is to use a roof rake. And it's, it's this big thing on the end of a pole. It's kind of, it, it almost looks like the end of a push broom, but it's made out of metal and sometimes out of plastic, I guess. And you just get this big, long extendo tent pole type of thing. And you reach up and you pull the snow off your roof. And it seems like it should be easy. It's, it's actually a lot more work than it looks like in pictures or in videos. <laughs> it's like you're, you're using some upper upper body strength. You're using your shoulders for that. If there's a big snowstorm like we had at the beginning of this year where it lasted over about two days, you don't want to just say, okay, I'm going to come out when it's all done and I'll do it all then. You treat it just the same way you would when you shovel or snow blow your driveway. You do it in segments. You do it like every eight hours or something like that. So you're not dealing with a foot and a half of snow. Do it periodically. Yes, but it's very effective. And the idea is that if you can rake off the first maybe four feet of snow at the eaves, usually, and you know, I, I say usually, it's it's not one hundred percent of the time, but most of the time, that's enough to where you can get your shingles exposed. The shingles get to see the sun. Everything stays warm enough to where you don't have ice dams form. Once the water runs down and it gets to that part of the roof where it's normally really cold. It actually stays warm enough where the water can run off and you don't have these wicked ice dams. So nice. removing the snow, removing the fuel for ice dams, very effective. It just takes a lot of work. You got to get out there with a roof rake. It's a lot of arm workout. Yeah. And every once in a while, you'll have roofs where it's not an option. I mean, if you if you got a two-story roof and there's no way to get up there with a roof rake, I'm not suggesting you get out there with a ladder. That could be very dangerous. Sometimes houses are so close to each other they're just they're too close where you don't have the right angle to stand on the ground and rake it because you're going to be you'd have to be standing in the middle of your neighbor's house Mm -hmm. so there are cases where you can't actually use a roof rake oh and side note Tess. yeah big question i get isn't the roof rake going to damage the shingles potentially if you're using a roof rake over and over again constantly and you're constantly rubbing down and you're getting it right down to the shingles over and over again, sure, you could wear away some granules and you might take a 30-year shingle and you might end up getting 27 years out of it because you've <laughs> worn away some granules. Mm-hmm. Not the end of the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'd say it's a fair trade-off. But back when I used to live in Minneapolis, I had a roof rake that had these tiny little wheels at the bottom of it where oh. the the surface of the roof rake never actually made contact with the shingles. So I was never wearing away any granules. Huh. Just had these is tiny that, little rollers. Is that typical for most roof rakes? I don't know if I've ever seen that. I, I haven't gone shopping for roof rakes. Oh. I would have told you, yeah, they all come with that because that's what mine had. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, it, uh, they do make them. And then there's other things like there's there's this Minnesota company. I should have looked it up before we did the podcast. I think it's called 
the the Minnesota Razor or something. You know what I'm talking about, Tess? It's the Razor Roof Rake. Maybe you can Google and I'll wax on other topics. Yeah. But, but look up Minnesota Roof Rake Razor snow removal device or something. It's some Minnesota dude who invented this thing. And it's it's basically like you have a plastic chute that slides underneath the snow. You cut underneath the snow and then all the snow just slides down. It looks super effortless. Looks like a really nice device, but oh. you know it, it surely costs okay. a lot more than a traditional roof rake. You find it? Yeah, I think so. What's the real name? Well, Minnesota Roof Razor. Okay, all right. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. All right. So interesting. Check that out. It looks it looks a lot easier than your traditional roof rake, but I'm sure you probably have a tough time getting those when we have these huge snow events. I should reach out to those guys and see if I can get an affiliate link, and I will help sell their product. How's that sound, Tess? <laughs> Well, as long as it works. And if I'm looking at the right thing, it's kind of an interesting, it it almost looks like it's a pole with kind of like a, like a sail attached to it. Like if you're on a boat, it looks like a sail, silver metal kind of sheet, basically. So, and it slides under the snow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's novel, but, but at any, the point is remove snow from your roof. If you've got a very low slope, and you're going to hire somebody to come out, maybe uh, shovel it off. Just make sure they're using plastic shovels that are going to be less damaging to your shingles. But yeah. that that is another tactic. If you get some huge dumps of snow, there are snow removal companies out there. I mean, one of our, one of our favorite many time podcast guests is Steve cool with, <laughs> he's got a bunch of different companies, but one of his companies is the ice dam company. I mean, what a great name. <laughs> <laughs> And and they offer snow removal. They 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 will come out and they will shovel snow off, and it's hideously expensive. I mean, I think it's like you know three four hundred bucks an hour or something. But oh my it's dangerous work. It is now. Does his company also do like steaming ice dam removals too? Besides just shoveling yeah. the snow off. Yeah, they do, and and that's a good point. If you do have leaks at your house and you need to get those ice dams off, the only and that's that's where somebody is using a true steamer. I know there's a lot of companies out there where they use high temp pressure washers, and they those pressure washers will get that water super hot, mm. but it's still coming out at full pressure. Now on a steamer, you don't you it's true steam. There's no pressure involved. And most companies don't actually steam ice dams. Most of them use high temperature pressure washers and you got the potential to cause a lot of damage to your shingles. We've seen a lot of that over the years. It, it should only be steam. And that's, that's what the ice dam company does. That's kind of their bread and butter. I mean, he's got like a warehouse full of these things and that's the only way they do it. So that's why I'm always quick to recommend that company for any of that type of work. Yeah. 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 Now, if if someone doesn't want to rake the roof or they can't rake the roof and they don't want to have to pay thousands of dollars to have the ice dam steamed off every year, there is another option for you. And we've talked about this. We've, we we had Steve Cool actually on a podcast to, to, to talk about this specifically, but you can install yeah. heat yeah. cables. Heat cables right? work or roof de-icing cables, whatever heat you want to call them. Heat another yep. option. Yep. Those are, those are very effective, but that's being yep. proactive. That's something that you're not going to do in the middle of winter. You got to do that in the spring, summer, or fall before the snow comes. And yes. they don't actually prevent ice from forming at the eaves. They just cut channels through where ice would form and they make it so that you don't have a big dam that's trapping a bunch of water. They make it so that water has a pathway to get through the ice dam. 
And those are extremely effective. Yeah. Yeah. If installed properly, properly, working product, as we learned from Steve, I mean, there was a huge difference in the types of cables. If you're thinking about installing heat cables on your house, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to our podcast from, what was it? Probably about two years ago or so. We might've recorded that during COVID. (laughs) At least. Yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes. No, Tess, this was pre-COVID. We had Steve, this is when we were still doing podcasts in the studio. I think that's it was. right. So this must have been probably yeah. 2019. Well, still we had him. Yeah, that's a great podcast. I I learned so much about heat cables from him. I had no idea. I mean, he actually did. He I think invent he a specific type something. of heat cable. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yep. Yes, um, he did. Yeah, and th- I mean, there's a trick to how you install it, where you install it, and what type of cable you use. So yeah, you listen definitely, to that yeah, before check you out buy that your podcast. own cables. Even if you decide he's full of it. You're going to learn something because <laughs> he <laughs> he knows more about this than yeah. anybody I know. He is a total geek about ice dams and heat cables and all that jazz. So we'll put a, yeah, we'll put a link in the notes. For sure, he's an expert. Let's talk about other removal methods because I've seen some crazy stuff out there. I've seen people use hatchets and ice picks and hammers and <laughs> salt tablets. Well, Yes, I was going to ask you yeah. the, those little salt tablets, like those hockey pucks. Do those things? Do those actually <laughs> I work? Tried them Have on you the tried bucket. them? It says simply toss the tablets under your roof, one for every you know one foot of ice dam or something like that. And I got pictures of it where I, I went to my neighbor's house and I I got right up next to the roof and I tossed them with precision, but they land on the ice. And they just slide and they just go wherever they want to go. I mean, it's just it's goofy. You're, you're never going to get it to look at yeah. anything like what they have in the pictures. Yeah. And then when it does melt, it, it melts these holes through the ice dam and then it gets to the bottom. Then you got the salt tab and the salt tab melts its way to the, the gutter. And now you've got the salt attack in your gutters. And then over time that those holes in your gutter refill with ice and snow and then they get closed up again. So pointless. Now, okay. Back so that when I used to work at a hardware store. My first job ever was no at good. a hardware store, and I remember the the old school method that people would use is they'd get they'd get salt, they'd get ice melt, you know, calcium chloride or something, and then they'd fill up pantyhose with the stuff, and you tie a rope onto the onto the end of the pantyhose, <laughs> and then you can take it from the ground and you sling it up onto the ice dam. And, and so the pantyhose is perpendicular to the ice dam. And then that salt is going to melt channels what? through the ice dam. And this actually is effective, Tess. I know you're laughing. You think this is crazy, but it actually does work. And, oh it, and what I've learned, if it's really cold weather, like below zero to where the salt isn't really going to start melting, people would take water and you'd activate the salt. You just put a, pour a little yeah. bit of water on each one of these uh, pantyhose salt-filled contraptions, and it would start the melt process, and then it would melt all these channels in your in your ice dam, and you just leave it on your roof because there's so much salt in there, and it'll prevent leaks for the rest of the year. Now it's goofy looking, you know, you got pantyhose sitting on your roof, but I guess it's better than having leaks coming into your house. That yeah. blows my mind. And you have to place them in a certain way. So you need a ladder and you have to get well, up on a ladder I and get up really, on your roof yeah. and but, lay but the if you can, if you can get a length of rope, you tie the rope <laughs> onto the end of the pantyhose. The idea is that you're supposed to be able to get from the ground and you get the right throw 
And if it doesn't land quite right, just perpendicular to the oh ice dam, pull it back down and you do it again. <laughs> and, and you keep doing it until it lands just the way you want it. And that way you don't have to use a ladder. And that way when it's all said and done and all the snow has gone for the year, you grab the rope and you pull it back down off your roof. I kid you not. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I this is like a this is like an ice dam like Winter Olympics. Like if you are super bored and you've got nothing else to do oh, and you're yeah. a little bit athletic oh, and maybe Tessa. competitive, I see. You could try I this. I see the uh, the but- Structure Tech Winter Olympics <laughs> coming up. Oh man. Oh yeah. no. Oh my gosh. Yep. All right. You know, make sure you record that if you decide to do it. That will be very entertaining to watch. <laughs> But for the I average agree. homeowner, I'd yeah. say probably the the most the, the easiest route to go is a roof rake if you can, right? Roof rake and then, you know, heat cables yep. if it's an yep. ongoing totally issue agree. and it's a, a type of attic or roof yep. where you can't prevent them. You are going to end up spending some money on the electricity I, for those heat cables every year. I have do you have any idea how much? I suppose you just you add up the watts and you figure what do you pay per kilowatt hour, which is a thousand yeah. watts for one hour is a kilowatt hour. Yeah. And you divide it all out by time. And, you know, here in Minnesota, we're paying somewhere around, I don't know, what is yeah. it, maybe 11 to 14 cents a kilowatt hour. So it's not astronomical. I mean, people think of hundreds and thousands of dollars. It'll, it'll be enough yeah. where you may notice a blip in your electricity bill. You may not. I mean, I, I I think I have enough cyclical difference from month to month to where I'd never be able to pinpoint a change in my electricity bill just because of heat cables. So it, it does cost you money, but it's not like it's going to send you to the poor house. Okay. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I guess I was expecting it to be to be more impactful on your electrical bill. But I guess, yeah, it does depend yep. on the size of house and how how many linear feet you install and how often you have them running and all of that. But the best option would be to, to you know, do that air sealing and insulation because it is going to be more exactly. money up front, but in the yep. long run, your house is going to be more energy efficient and you're saving money on heating and cooling costs in the long run. So it's a good investment, but it, it depends too on, you know, how long you plan on being in your house and how bad the problem actually is. So, you know, every person's going to have to kind of weigh those pros and cons on a personal That's right. level That's to right. determine if, uh, what's the best course of action. We're happy to come out. I mean, we, we do this type of consulting and we can usually help direct people and tell them, hey, this is your best option. You ought to buy heat cables. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. We can certainly help with this stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing we did not mention that I, I was just thinking about here in where I'm at in Red Wing, there's just a ton of old, old houses here. And a lot of them do not have, you know, adequate insulation and big walk-up attics or whatnot. Tons of ice dams here. But I was just thinking if you're someone who's going to do some attic work, that would be the time to address some old house issues too, which it's like peeling back an onion, right? Yeah. When you when you have an old house, you you try and do one thing, fix one problem, and you realize there's a whole other problem awaiting you. But I was just thinking, you know, no. old houses that have knob and tube wiring in the attic, you do not want to add more insulation over top of that knob and tube wiring. So if you're going to be addressing the attic and doing air sealing and insulation Good and advice, all of that. Yes. Take care of it all at the same time. Hopefully this was helpful. Well, I'd say we'll call that a wrap. So thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. I'm Ruben Saltzman for Tessa Murray saying 
Godspeed.